I'm Joe Lee with your Play-by-Play Network Sports Minute. The Yankees continue to win at home. The Bronx Bombers collecting their 13th straight home victory, which is the longest home winning streak for the Yankees since 1973. Yankee manager Aaron Boone on why his team responds so well to being at home. We want to have a great season and you know, usually to do that, you got to play well at home, and, and certainly we've done that so far. I know our, our guys love playing here. It's a great place to play, and I think our guys are, are really thriving in that and feeding off of, of the energy of this place night in and night out. Aaron Judge, who got the scoring started last night for the Yankees with a first-inning home run, isn't concerned about what the Yankees have done. He's looking towards the future. You know, we're worried about the next game now. You know, tonight's over with. You know, we'll celebrate this, but you know, we got another big one. You know, go out there and try to sweep these guys. For the second day in a row, there was controversy surrounding a ruling made by the umpires towards the Yankees. This time, it was about a pitching change Aaron Boone made in the eighth inning. Here's Boone clearing up the air on a very confusing situation. Matt Blake went out before Choi came out of the dugout, or he might have been, I don't know if he was out of the dugout or not, but he, he went out there to settle him, not to, and then while that was going on and when he was coming back, they announced the pinch hitter. So the pinch hitter then gets announced, so then I wanted to make a change. Nestor Cortez notching his sixth win of the season and a bounce back start going five and a third inning, striking out four and scattering three hits and an earned run. Cortez, like Judge, isn't banking on the Yankees' fast start to the season. I think we were just talking about it in the lunchroom where it's like uh, 30 games over 100, but I mean, I, we don't expect anything less. I think with this group of guys that we have here, um, it's pretty special, and I think uh, we can continue to do big things. The Yankees looking to extend their home winning streak and sweep the Rays tonight in the Bronx. For the Play-By-Play Network, I'm Joe Leo. You're listening to the Grind Hours Podcast. At the wall! See ya! See ya! Joining me for two weeks in a row, it's like we're back in class and in school as the JNG show, Gil Benhamu and Nicholas Romeo joining me again for some finals talk, some game six previewing this time. And on Tuesday show, Tuesday show, or actually uh, all the shows blend together. The last show I did, Gil, that's, that's, I got to use the, uh, I, I got to use this for TikTok <laughs> now because, because of what you just did. But um, on the show following game five, I talked about Boston's just inability to win games when they turn the ball over. The one thing that I didn't mention was how they just, can't string wins together Ex- excluding you know the the sweep against the nets which really shouldn't have been a sweep the Nets should have won game one boston hasn't been able to string two wins together or more than two wins together at a time and when they have they've won the series so again the stat magic number 16 they have 16 turnovers or less they're 13 and 2 if they have more than 16 turnovers, they are one in seven this postseason. So, Gil, since you put up the uh, the stank face of Curry, I'll go to you first. What do you think for Boston is the biggest thing that they have to adjust to for game six to continue the series? Well, you addressed it right there. You have, they have to limit turning the ball over. And Jason Tatum needs to be more efficient because – They were able to string up wins without Tatum being the guy, allowing Jalen Brown to kind of dominate with the the ball. However, if you even look in the third quarter of the last game, they actually got really tight and even got a lead when everyone else was making threes. So I think what puts them over the top would be Tatum because if they can make threes and Steph Curry doesn't have to play that great of a game and they still win and they still win, it kind of just changes the whole dynamic of the series for me. Well, I don't think Steph's going to have that poor of a shoot. He's going to make a three. If he he's not going to re. I don't think he'll repeat anything from the other game. I'm sure of that. It's just Boston needs to fight fire with fire here. They've won games by making more three pointers. So you've seen it in game one and you've seen it in just about any other win they've had, not even just the series, but in the most of the playoffs. They win by being the better three-point shooting team. That's only – and 
it's just shown how far they've gone. Marcus Smart can make shots. They've been allowing the extra person to make shots. The only difference is now is they haven't been, they haven't made it when it matters. So to that point, Boston just needs to be a more efficient shooting team. Obviously the turnovers are costly. Golden State has done that as well, but control what you can control, make your shots. And that's what it comes down to. So you're saying three point line. I feel like a, I feel like a grandfather, you know, get off my lawn with your three pointers with the advanced analytics. It's kind of true though. It is kind of true. And that's the way that the game has, has shifted. Nick, do you think it's that simple? Just make more threes. Uh, I think it definitely has a big impact when it comes to that, but I think for at least what Golden State is, I think it's just the experience of just who's there and um, exactly they've been there to that so many uh, times. You know, you have Steve Curry, you got the coach there, you have Seth Curry, you have Faye Thompson, Draymond Green. Even though Draymond's not having the best series statistically wise, you know, he's been getting better. At least the last game, he was the facilitator with what, six assists, seven rebounds, something like that, a couple yeah. of points, eight points. You know, like he was much better than, what was it, game three, game four, mm-hmm. where he had what he was. He had the two, three, atrocious. and four. He, yeah. He, Not to he, mention he fouled out. This is the third time he's fouled out, right? Let, yeah. I, I said this on last show. That sixth foul when he jumped up and down. Like oh, yeah, that was it, he had was to do the, it. It was not a foul. No, that wasn't yeah. a foul. It he was, was defending his guy. Right. That, that's what it was. It was a clean play. If, it, if that happened in any other quarter of that, of that game, any other game in the playoffs or game this season, I don't really think that would be a call to foul. Yeah. I just think because of the it, it's dr- the inverse of, of the Draymond rep. Everybody says, well, Draymond really gets three technical fouls. Well, you also get those ticky-tack. They shouldn't mm-hmm. be called on you fouls because you're, you're Draymond Green. So should I add that the refereeing this series, I mean, obviously the playoffs is a different story, but this series, it's been so inconsistent. This season, dude, this season. Oh, yeah. And I don't want to turn this podcast yeah. into anti-ref. I don't, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to go down that route. <laughs> if it was my podcast, I would. But I'm glad <laughs> you guys are bringing up refs, though, because game six tonight, they have tonight's ref is actually one of the guys who's most notorious for, for uh, prolonging series and going into game seven. The extender. Yeah, you got the extended tonight. So look, look forward for a game seven with this guy, I, this guy officiating tonight. I don't know. Yeah, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole because it's it's just easy. It, it, it's it, it's all it's low hanging fruit. It's cheap. Yes, obviously you want a good officiating, and I mean you would think the officiating would, when it comes down to it, would be would be good. It hasn't been great. But it has, I, I will say this on the, uh, on the side of the officials. It's not like it was in the Dallas Phoenix series. Right. When it was just so unbelievably atrocious yeah. that four or five, not one a series, there were four or five a game in that, in that series where you're just like, come on, are, are we watching the same basketball game here? And so I, I I'm, neither pro ref or anti ref i'm directly in the middle i don't care about the refs because it shouldn't be you know there's a great uh twitter account the ump show for for uh baseball umpires making it more about themselves than about the players i don't want to do that with the refs especially in the nba finals i, I want to talk about the actual players and how they can get better and Gil, you kind of alluded to my next question. My final question for Boston is, does Tatum need to be a superstar for them to win? If, if he's not, you know, top tier, I'm falling out to save my season, do they not have a season to play for? Now, let me ask you this, Joe. You've seen what – before I get to my point about Tatum, well, just what – do that. What is the role that Jason Tatum has on the Celtics? He's the superstar. He's the guy. So yeah. absolutely, they need him to win games. It's kind of been a microcosm of the of Tatum's season is high volume shooting and some and most of the time it's high volume making, but it's been a lot of high volume missing as well. So Tatum needs to do it. Tatum needs to be the guy. 
because Jalen Brown was doing great up until game five. Game five wasn't really his best game either. But he wasn't terrible. He was minus he wasn't 19, terrible. but it didn't feel like a minus It wasn't necessarily his fault that they were losing either. So, no. right, to that point. But in order for them to win two games in a row in Boston and then back in San No, no, San no. Forget, ba- forget game seven. Mm-hmm. There's only – you could if you don't Season's win – Season's on the line, Tatum's going to show up. Well, That's anybody – you could say that just about any elimination game. And your best player needs to show up. No, no, no. Put no. it all out there. It, even more so in the finals. An elimination mm-hmm. game in the first round, obviously, you want right. them to show up. There's some pressure. With a title on the line, game seven, throw everything out the windows. Records don't matter. They know each other at that point. They've been playing each other for two weeks. They know what they're, it's just about who, who has the better game at that point and who actually shows up in the moment. For Tatum, this could be a career-defining game because if he doesn't show up, he's labeled as a choker. He's labeled as, oh, he's not ready for the moment. He's not – Gil, you give me that face, but – That's a – I know Nick, what you're saying. Nick, I know what you're getting at. I wouldn't I, go that I, I gotta, far. But I got a question for you. What, what, what's your definition of show up? Because look, look at the stats from game three. You know, he has 26 points, but he's not efficient, 9 for 23. And then you have guys like Marcus Small and you have guys like Jalen Brown that are scoring 27, 24 points. You even have Grant Williams scoring 10 off the bench. What's the impact? So I'm saying I if, want this, if the Andrew team Andrew Wiggins general, just had that game. We just, game five was the Andrew Wiggins game. Game four was the Steph Curry game. When's the Tatum game going to happen? It needs to happen in game six. So we're in agreement that it has to happen. Yes, but I'm saying right. if it doesn't happen, he's going to be labeled in the same vein as Chris Paul, as as James Harden, he I don't is. think so. I don't think so because you got to look at James Paul and Chris Paul, uh, James Harden and Chris Paul. They're in their thirties. James right, Jason that, Tatum's in his like fourth year in the league. Right, fifth year in the league, and he's twenty four. I get that, but when you don't show up, I I forget no, how young gonna, he is. I think he's gonna. I he's not gonna get the same treatment that other players would. Jason Tatum came. I is, think he will. This is his first year. This has really been his first test as the guy after signing a massive contract with the Celtics. So to say that he's a ch- labeled a choker this far in, especially it's, because they made the playoffs. I think it's too early for that. The jury's still out and saying he's a choker. He's been I, to the conference finals before. I didn't this say it was warranted. I'm just saying that's going to be the headline because, he, yes, he's been to the conference finals before. Three times, three times, he was outmatched in his rookie year against LeBron, even though he dunked over LeBron. Right. He lost against Jimmy Butler in the heat in the bubble. And mm-hmm. if he falls to this point, he would fail in the first attempt in the finals. But look at historically, every great player, LeBron to a certain point, that's all LeBron was until he went to Miami and he actually won the ring in his second year. He was labeled as a guy who's a great player but he chokes in the biggest moment. I think, I think you also have to look at the coaching for those years. It's Brad Stevens those years. Even though he was a good coach, but he couldn't, he couldn't finish it off either. But to Nick's point, exactly. It's all circumstantial. You gotta, you gotta take the, uh, gotta look at what's around Tatum. I'm not saying it's not Tatum's fault, look at but to say he's a choker this early, it just doesn't seem right. It happened with Giannis. That was the boat on Giannis until he won, until he flipped the script last year. And he won the ring. Giannis couldn't get it done until he did. That's mm-hmm. if you can't get it done un- until you actually do it and win a ring. That's what your career is going to be. Like you're defining as, Tatum, fair or not. You're defining Tatum as a choker in his first trip to the finals, and that's the issue. And he's going against one of the wor- one of the worst. I don't. I don't care. Faces the Golden State Warriors. If this care. is like Miami this is, or this is, I, I think, that, I like think anyone else, no, I, I think Golden State. In terms of chokerism, totally story. In terms of chokerisms, there's levels to this. There's James yeah. Harden every year of the playoffs. There's Paul George in the bubble. There's Chris Paul in the playoffs. If you're gonna put a level onto what Tatum's doing right now. He'd be on the bottom of being a choker. It'd be borderline not being a choker because he's performed to get him this far. He hasn't been the guy. Jalen Brown has been the guy. But they don't get this, this far without him. I agree. But look at look at LeBron in the 07 finals. Was he outmatched against one of the greatest teams of all time in the Spurs? Absolutely. But what but when he lost the 11 finals, they've said both times that he's been to the finals, he's lost. The the context 
when you go down the road doesn't matter. That's why I'm I saying I wouldn't go that far as to call him a choker. I just don't think it's that simple. I'm it's, not. Look, it's not that simple. It, it, look, it's not. But that's not how the we we're all in this business. We know how this business works. That's not how this business works. They don't care about the context. I see both your sides here, you know, because then you just all you see is oh, Celtics lose. You don't see right. the stats. You don't. But see it's all why an eye test. It it's all you know? if you've seen the season, if you've lived through the season, and it's all an eye test. Obviously, yes. Tatum's not playing his best basketball, but you got to take advantage. You got to take a lot of regard to what's happened before and heading into the series. So it's right. it's not that no, easy. I agree with you. I'm all about context. That should be the the subheading of my podcast the context podcast because I want to read in the details, but that's not what people do. People see, Oh, Tatum came up short. He's a loser. And in, the, in that regard, I'd call those same people shallow minded. Yes. Well, they are, but absolutely, you know, getting off the Celtics and, and switching gears to the team that's actually in the closing out stage of this finals with the warriors, Nick, I'll swing this to you. What do you think? Golden State has to do to bring home title number four in the Steph Curry era? I mean, I think it's pretty simple. I think uh, I think Steph Curry's just got to just cook, man. Steph Curry's just been the number one guy for them, scoring, you know, their average of close to like 30 points a game for them. And I think he's unstoppable. I mean, you also have role players like Clay Thompson, who's finally heating up. You have Andrew Wiggins, who had the game of his career. That's not a role player. I mean, he's playing like a role player in this finals. But and, and he's now, Wiggins had the game of his life, by the way. He had the- yeah, he did. Wiggins had the game of his life. And then you have the bench players coming out, Gary Payton. And uh, and then you also had Looney, who had a great game, too. So mm-hmm. you, you have a team that's finally working together and finally getting all the chemistry down like they didn't have – a couple of games ago when they got embarrassed by the Celtics. So if they continue that success and they continue to um, beat it down and be the better three-point shooter, uh, Golden State's going to win uh, game six. Gil, what's your X factor for a game six Golden State win? Boys, what game number is this? I was going to bring them up. What game gonna, number is this? I was going to bring them up. This is game six clay action. This is game six clay action. Exactly. <laughs> game six clay. I'm not worried about Curry. Curry's going to get his. All right. You know, he'll get his, he'll get his numbers. He'll hit a three. This is game six. Who else but clay Thompson's got to show up. Wiggins can Wiggins has to be a monster on the glass. Like he has been the last few games, uh, last couple yeah. of games. He's got six. I think he's hit 16 or so rebounds in the last two. Right. Um, 14 and 16. He's that's got right. I know 16 rebounds. in game four. Yeah, 30 rebounds in two games. That's actually very impressive. But Clay Thompson needs to shoot the lights out of the building. Um, that's that's his that's what he's there for. And for me, and I've said this in the last time I was on here, Clay Thompson's shot selection is atrocious. But the the fact the matter of the fact is, is he's such a good shooter and he's earned that rapport that he has with the rest of his team that he has the right to take those shots, even though they're ter- uh, like those are J.R. Smith esque shots. So like you get the idea here. If Clay Thompson gets going, especially late in the game, third and fourth quarter, those last five minutes of the fourth quarter, especially because he drank two key threes, like right at the like tail end of the game, that's exactly what you need. I don't need the carryover. I don't want. I don't want the the sob story mm-hmm. carryover for 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 Clay Thompson. Maybe for Jordan Poole, not for Clay <laughs> Thompson. Yeah. Uh, and. Carl, if you're listening to this, turn it off because I don't want to hurt your feelings. <laughs> he's gonna, he's gonna be seething at this. <laughs> I'm at, I love Clay Thompson. I'm actually rooting for Game Six, Clay. I want this series to go seven, and I want my friends who are Boston Celtic fans to actually have a title. I do, but I am rooting like hell for Game Six, Clay to show up and just put on a massive show in in the Boston Garden and have an iconic game. And if that happens, I'm 98% sure that Golden State will be hoisting the trophy at the end of tomorrow night. But I want all the storylines for a game seven. I want it to be on Father's Day. I want all that. Because mm-hmm. that's, the, that's the journalist in me. That's the storyteller in me. I want <laughs> right. those storylines going into game seven. But I you also want a game want... seven podcast, guys. Come right. on, let's go. It's selfish. It's selfish. <laughs> Come on, too. let's go. <laughs> I, I want to. I want another podcast. I want another day of talking about the finals for, for this show. It, you're right, Nick. It is. It's a little. It's like two percent selfish of me. 
But I, I mean, who can't be a little bit? Play. We all want it. We get, yeah, I mean, now, how do you not be selfish about it? Come on, actually, it's, it's so easy to just want it. Come on. I have an, actually an interesting question because I feel like a lot, this has been a really good bringing in year for a lot of the youth of the NBA. And obviously the Boston Celtics have made it very far. Say the Celtics lose this series, right? Golden State hoists the trophy. Larry O'Brien's in their hands for the fourth time. Just Bo- can Boston run it back? Can they yes. run back the East? Yes. You think so? I mean, if they come back with the same roster, you think they can run through against the Bucks, against the Nets if they're re-upped, uh, against Miami if they have a same a good yes. roster just like this year? You want to know? I'm why? not saying I'm doubtful. I'm curious. Why? No, they should. Uh, if recent NBA history has told me anything, they probably won't. They'll probably blow it up. Mm-hmm. But they should because everything that I just talked about in the Tatum choker, he's still young in that segment. He's still young. Brown, still young. Robert Williams, he just needs time to heal because he's come, He's like smart. 40%. Marcus Smart is the veteran presence. Yes, run it back. Is it going to be difficult because you got Giannis, the best player in the world, still in the East? Yeah. Is it difficult? They, well, they Tate, played two game sevens this, this uh, it, year. Is it scary with KD still in the East? Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I'm saying they absolutely have proven it's that, doable. That, that they I'm can, not saying blow it up, but do you think they make it back to the finals within the next, oh, at who least the in the short window? I don't want to get into that because you don't know. You, you have no idea. That's true. No idea. Okay. They, they could not even sniff the finals again. That's just how some things work. This is true. But they absolutely have a contender and should buy into this window because there is a window here. Whether, whether right. it stays open or, or gets completely shut, that's why you play the games. But if you're Brad Stevens and the Boston Celtic brass, you absolutely should say we are good enough, plus Tatum taking the leap, trying to find it out, learning from this if they do end up losing. And again, you know, we can come on on, uh, on Monday and go, oh, game seven, Tatum had a great game in game six and game seven, and, the, and they're the champs, and, and sing a completely different tune. Tatum can shut us up in two games. This is true. This is true. So it's, and I need to add that just because like in the continuity of me being on the podcast, every time Joe and I speak about basketball moving forward, we are dead wrong because when last time the one, I don't know if we're dead wrong about. Last time it. I came on for the Phoenix Mavericks series, we said as Suns were up two, we're like, yeah, this is a cakewalk. Suns, like, well, we could oh, be, that, but yeah, we were. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I'll the Suns, the Suns series was bad because I'll we said the that. Suns were going to run with this series, and then the Mavericks came in and mopped them in Game Seven. <laughs> I'll crow on that. Yeah. But and then we we came, came again for this series. And, and then I think go, we said Celtics were probably coming out and they were going to come out swinging. They probably win in less than seven games. And Golden State actually comes back and wins. So we could listen, be wrong about this again. I got it right in both series, in both Boston series, in the conference finals and in the finals. I right. said they would split home court in the first four games. I'm going right on that and I'm ending on that because I'm not, I'm not allowing any more of uh, Gil going down memory lane and, and hey, completely... hey, I'm just as wrong. I'm just as wrong. <laughs> hey, but... how, how wrong can you be when you say Phil, Victor Oladipo was going to be a, a, a factor? Oh, my God. That was the funniest thing. That was I mean, the go back at the tape. Never, I, I messed up the most. <laughs> I, I'll let, I was going to let that slide and not mention that, but I'm, I, I do keep you honest about that from time to time. <laughs> hey, I keep myself honest. Look, I remember I remember saying that. Look, look, and look I'll never, around. Nick, just know that's your rock bottom. Years later, it's over. It's over now for me. <laughs> Where's my credibility? <laughs> but. Boys, I think that's a good place to end. Gil, I know you got to run. So uh, why don't you start us off first with uh, where they can find you, what you got going on, all that sort of stuff. Uh, we're recording the four horsemen one more time quickly before we take a quick hiatus because Jack's going to be out of action for a little bit and as well as Carlos because he's got to serve in the military for a little second. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, otherwise, you can follow me on Twitter. I've said it plenty of times before that I've been on the grind hours. It's G-E-E-B-E-E-418. It's the same handle on Instagram. Shoot me a follow. Engage in some discourse with me. I love to talk a lot about, about a lot of things. So uh, please keep me amused as I'm still looking for stuff to do. 
And uh, follow follow me again. I'm also one of the four horsemen with Gil. Uh, four, the four horsemen of fantasy. Um, You've messed it up then, so many times. <laughs> throw up the fours, baby. And then uh, Instagram n.romeo97. Check it out, guys. Boys, I hope we're not wrong about this. And uh, <laughs> all of our predictions come true. And until next time, stay easy and stay healthy. All right, guys? Can't wait for Game 7 podcast, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Jinxing us on the way out. Love it. <laughs> Talk to you guys later. Peace. SeatGeek is the number one ticket app for buying and selling tickets. Sports fans, music fans, comedy fans, theater fans, fans of tickets. Use my code GRINDHOUR to get into the building to get yourself a seat. Again, that's code GRINDHOUR at checkout for $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek.com or the SeatGeek app. One more time, code GRINDHOUR. That's G-R-I-N-D-H-O-U-R at checkout. Joining me now on our second attempt at a Zoom, the first attempt was spent 90% of it talking about my new summer project that uh, Jose Roden has given me, and he joins me now to continue to talk about the finals. Again, game six is tonight, and really quickly before, I, before we get to the main focus of this part of the pod, I want to circle back to Jason Tatum, and I know I've talked about Tatum at nauseum for the, during these finals, but... Uh, Roden, you and I talked about Tatum a lot in the pod that we did last week before the finals. And Mm. since then, you compared what Tatum has to do to what KD did in the 2012 finals. He has not come anywhere close to that. I think he has to in game six tonight in order to force a game seven. We have to have, and I said it uh, earlier this week, we have to have Kobe text Tatum. That's who we have to have. And yeah, I love, and I, I, I drew a comparison to who's better Kobe text Tatum or game six clay. Cause that's what I want. I want that duel to happen. That's I want to be a Twitter to absolutely explode because we're getting, we're having the Jason Tatum game coinciding with another tremendous game six clay performance what do you see is more likely game six clay i think that's happened a lot more times than i've thought that it's happened compared to a tatum kobe text game i feel like yeah that means something and jason tanner's gonna go out and do the thing but he has done like half of the thing for the finals like he hasn't really oh brown's jalen brown's been the better player yeah and you and i and i think texted uh, hours and hours about about how good jalen brown has been this finals if if celtics would have won the nba finals like yesterday or two days ago like if Curry never goes off, and then Wiggins never goes off, and they win those two games. Jalen Brown is probably a finals MVP. Like, that's just probably what it is. Right. Like, his first three games were worth that. Yeah, and one point that I I heard on on PTI yesterday, Wilbon was talking about, are these expectations for Tatum too high? Like, is this – are we setting unrealistic expectations for Jason Tatum? No, no, we're not. I think I think I think Jason Tatum wants those expectations. I think he's good enough for the expectations. I just think he's maybe not good enough to live up to those expectations game after game. Like then he's not a true other superstar. NBA player. Then, he, then yeah. he's not. <clears throat> then you've answered the que- like you've answered the question in a different way. He's just not ready yet. Like yeah, but. At the, the same potential's there. At the same point, though, I, and I mentioned this in the first block, he's going to be labeled as a choker. 
because that's what you Which... are until you fair or not. And I said this again, I'll say it again, fair or not. If you can't get it done, that's what your label is until you get it done, until you prove that you're big enough for the moment, you're going to be labeled as a choker because right now, instead of rising, Jason Tatum is shrinking in the brightest lights. He just is. That's the, yeah. it, and, and nothing against the dude, nothing against the dude. I, I am actively rooting for him. It's just, yeah. it, it's so weird. So, and it's it's kind of crazy to think that he's going to take like a large you know portion of the choking conversation just because like in every superstar. part of his game but like in every part of his game he's improved since last year he's a better playmaker he's a better defender like he got so much better than he was last year and it kind of just sucks because they're not in the NBA Finals without his playoff run. No, without Game Six in Milwaukee, they're not. They're yeah. not here. They're, they're they're not here. So, but this is what it's going to end with. The NBA Finals is the biggest stage. It's what most people talk about. What most people watch. Casual fan is going to see that and say Jason Tatum isn't really as good as all these people have been saying. Right. And, and that's how many it. times in the past ten years have we watched the playoffs and go, forget the regular season MVP. The finals MVP is the real MVP. Like how, how many years have we said that where we just got done watching the finals? We just got done. Probably Andre Iguodala got it. I, yeah. It's Curry deserved that MVP, but <laughs> even, even still. He did. Like that's in, in everyone's mind because the finals just ended. That's who the real MVP is. Because you just played the best when it mattered the most. And your playoff resume mm. is what makes or breaks you as an NBA player. As a player, regardless. That, that's well, as like a ha- superstar player, yeah. That's how you get stacked up against whoever else. And right now, Tatum's not doing that. But I want to switch gears and talk about the coaching. Because you're a good guy. I think to talk about this. I mentioned earlier in the week, huh? Just saying in general, like you're a good guy. You're nice. I think (laughs) I was like, Oh, thanks, Joe. I appreciate that. Earlier in the week, I mentioned Ime Adoka getting out coached for the first time, pretty much (laughs) in these playoffs. Do you think Adoka has what it takes to bounce back and lead his team to a game six win? Because it starts with the coaching. Yeah. Ugh. I I don't know how much he was out coached. Like I think Steve Kerr is a better coach and I think he has been the better coach in this playoffs or in this series. I heard something interesting on a podcast and I'm forgetting which one it is, but they pretty much said that we're we're, we're past the adjustments part yes. of the series. We're in the who makes the shots part of the series, which is like, that's an interesting way of looking at it. And that kind of, no offense to NBA coaching, but that kind of makes them obsolete. Like you've done everything you could by game five to find the pressure points, figure out what happening, what's going to happen is what is, which has already happened. And now it's who makes shots and who doesn't. So I don't know if it's really up to Udoka as a coach to do much because he's still got to push the right buttons. No, he, he still has to put the right. Button. I, I understand the point that that that's being made there, and it's you know we're we're at you know we're past the feeling out point. I get yeah. that, and you know where to attack and what to attack, but he's got to still push the right buttons. He's got to get Grant Williams in spots where he can succeed. He's got to put Pritchard in spots where he can succeed. Derek White, same thing. He's still got but, to manage the minutes yeah. in a way that gets those guys to make shots. I think he's found ways to get Grant Williams and Pritchard open. 
the issue is that this whole series, they haven't really been able to hit those shots. And like, those are kind of the players you would really want to get a couple points out of just in this type of series where well, you need, they are, all you need team. something. They, yeah. they are not like golden state where, you know, Wiggins can, can lead you to a win where Curry can lead you to a win. They need their, and this has been all of their wins, not just in these finals, but in the playoffs, excluding one game, game six in Milwaukee, that was the Jason Tatum yeah. game. But every other win in the, in the postseason has been about the team. It's yeah. the, the entire team playing well. It's I not think, just one guy. I think that, uh, oh, God. I need to start remembering what podcasts I listen to. Other <laughs> podcasts said in other stat that game five was the first time in like since the regular season that the Celtics didn't have more than 20 assists in a game. So wow. They they play through their team creating and right. They are movement. The issue is when that doesn't happen and people aren't making shots. Yeah, but they're a team. You have an issue. They, yeah. And Golden State's a team too. I don't want to, you know, take anything away, but Golden State has tremendous star power and tremendous mm-hmm. scoring ability that Boston doesn't have. Yeah, no. And that's Stephen Curry can go off for 40 points any so, night. Say, he wants so can to. Clay. Yeah. So and and Boston, they have that in theory, but they don't rely on that. Yes. Golden State relies on that. They rely on, oh, let's play good defense and Steph, go get your 40. And Clay, go get your 40. It's not. Yeah. We're, I don't we're know. relying on Looney to get 15 and 8. Boston's relying. Maybe. If Looney was on Boston, they'd be relying on Looney to get 15 and 8. They, they rely on, uh, yeah. you know, Marcus Smart to have 15 and eight or nine assists and a couple of steals and play really good defense. So, the, like, I think it's more on a – I really think that this game is more on a Doka and how he get – yes, it, it's on Tatum, it's on Brown, it's on the entire team to, to extend the series. But I really think because this team is bought in to what a Doka has been preaching yeah. since the turnaround – He's got to prove to be continue to be that voice uh, to get the guys to set them up for a game six. And you shouldn't need any extra motivation because you know, a t- you, you, your season's on the line. Yeah, there is no tomorrow. But how Adoka relay, relays that message and gets his guys going is going to be fascinating to me. And I think the only the only comparison that I could draw it to is Ty Lu with the 16 uh, Cavs. Yeah. Where because LeBron shows him as the coach, they obviously were uh, – they liked the energy and they liked what he was saying in the building, and they rallied around – I don't want to say they rallied around him, but that coaching job that, that Lou did – in, in that finals, I think is comparable to to what Adoka is doing now, because they were both rookie head coaches going up pretty much against the same Warriors team, because yeah. that was before KD, so it's pretty much That's the amazing. same team. Yeah, uh, I I think that that's on the right direction. My issue is that just like Celtics don't have that LeBron player like tatum's 23 brown's 20 right but the you still have to climb mount steph yeah and mount golden state to get over this and i think adoka given his background and where and and, you know where on the on the um the san antonio coaching tree that he falls yeah i i think that 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 tai lu team though had like like what I was just saying. No, they're like, different teams. They are. Di- I'm saying yeah, they I'm have the shot the, makers. The coaching job that both guys have to do in this in a game like this is extremely similar. Yeah. But I, I think it. I think Adoka 
has more to lose than what Lou did. Yeah, because if Lou lost, he's not the face of the franchise where the Celtics kind of all share. They're more of a team effort. Right. And Ime Adoka has been like all signs point back to him for turning yeah. this around. It's not, it's not a player. It's not, oh, you know, Jalen mm-hmm. Brown turned this around by saying, oh, let's buy in. It was, it was Ime Adoka. So I think how the majority of the blame out. is going to fall on Tatum. Mm-hmm. The rest of that blame is going to fall on Adoka. Yeah. I think I think a big portion will be how do they come out? Like, do they try something new? Because they had the right kind of game plan in game five. It just didn't work. They couldn't make shots. Yeah, well, yeah. They if they make shots that they have the right game plan, I think. But uh last thing before we get out of here, who do you have winning tonight? Yeah, probably Warriors because so you're saying it's I over think, tonight. Yeah, and it's gonna be a crazy day in Boston, but uh, I think I think the Warriors have like a clay game six. I think Stephen Curry is gonna not miss all of his shots. Oh, that's and a given. Take that to the bank. Threes. I don't know what the yeah. I I don't know what the the odds are for him making one three th- this Probably game, but great. he's making one. Yeah, and I think. I think I just think the Warriors are they've been there. They know what to expect. They're not a young team. They've evolved in so many different ways throughout the season. And I think that you're gonna see a clay Steph Draymond Green night where you're gonna be like, Oh, are we in a time capsule? What happened? How did we get back to 2015? Like I that just feels like the game that's about to happen just because they can smell it. I don't think they're going to mess around because in a game seven, it gets complicated because what if, what if Tatum has a Bucks game six and he goes off for 40, 50 points and Steph Curry has to match him? Like, But then there's Jalen Brown, who's arguably one of the best players in the series. So it's like, what I do you... want more. I, I, I don't know which way to lean. I want more basketball. So I want Boston to win. But it does have a little. I do, too. I, I do have a little feeling of of twenty fifteen, where this does this isn't going back to Golden State. No, I think the Warriors are. The Warriors are a team that, when they're really focused on a goal together as a team, they'll reach that goal. And I, I think that's what they're at. If I'm, you know, if I'm Steph, they didn't show this in the. Uh, when they went to the locker room for golden for golden state after game five but if i'm steph after uh after steve kerr says we're, we're ending this in boston uh, if i'm steph I'm, I'm standing up and i'm doing the michael jordan pack one suit yeah we're not coming back yeah we're not no. coming back here pack no. one suit it's a business trip we're ending it here that's that's just me I, if i'm steph and I'm, I'm rallying my guys they can't i don't know i feel like they kind of have to <sighs> dress it yeah i would love to see i would love to see them dress in black that'd be great i would love to see that <sighs> i don't think they're that theatrical though I don't think oh they'll do that. Dray, draymond leading the charge they're all dressed in black that would be fantastic man i would love that it'd be it'd be a sight to see ah you're also giving a little fuel to the Celtics. I feel like you Who just go like normal though. Who cares? I'd be a little that scared. would be baller. I oh I, I I would love that, man. I think you saved the trash talking for after. <laughs> That's always my point of view though. When you're up and you've let the game do the talking, then you can talk. I, I, I see both sides. It's good, but I'm so excited for, for game six tonight. Roden, that's a good place good. to end. Tell the people what you got going on, where they can find you, all that good stuff. Uh, Bet US, doing a bunch of stuff for them, writing, working, uh, sports podcast with uh, the play call with Nick. I need life to settle and then start getting back to the grind. So eventually all of that will be back. And then, you know, 
yeah that's about it i have i have gone from the man of many hats to one hat the man the man of a few you i'm still calling you you're you're still on the on the play-by-play roster as a man of many hats yeah, that never that never goes away because just because you like have one it. hat doesn't mean tomorrow you can't have 12 yeah that's probably true that's, <laughs> yeah i like my hats all right brother i'll talk to you soon i'll definitely talk to you tonight during during the game and uh be easy all right man all right see you man thank you ending this podcast on a little bit of old news but I still think it's relevant and then I really want to talk about it. And it's the doubleheader in St. Louis a few days ago between the Pirates and the Cardinals. And the main thing that is newsworthy is Miles Michaelis coming two feet from a no-hitter, one pitch from a no-hitter. He was two strikes away, or he was a strike away from a no-hitter. Harrison Bader made a great effort on the ground rule double that was that broke up the no-hitter. But he had 129 pitches. There was two errors in the game, one by Brandon Donovan in the third, one by Juan Yepes. I'm butchering the name, but uh, in the fourth. Goldschmidt continues his tremendous first half. He hit three homers in the doubleheader. Two um, in the second game. He was four for four in the second game with two homers, three runs, and five RBIs. Just absolutely, absolutely insane performance by Goldschmidt. He, I think, is he's having a great year. It's getting tremendously overshadowed by what Judge is doing in the American League and kind of what Bryce Harper is doing as a full-time DH in Philly. Because, I mean, Harper, I think, plays... Harper's the, the better... the I don't want to say better star, but the more recognizable star. Goldschmidt doesn't really have a national commercial. He doesn't really have a national presence. He's played in St. Louis and Arizona. But Goldschmidt's just one of those dudes. And plus, Goldschmidt has kind of had a couple of down years from about 2019 until now where he's actually returning to MVP candidacy and kind of what it's very similar to what Judge is doing with, with the Yankees where Judge, yes, he had a couple of good years, but 17 for Judge, his rookie year, was his best year so far and he's I mean, now, I mean, he's judges on pace for 66 home runs. Goldschmidt's not quite at that clip, but he's still having a tremendous year. I, I love watching every single one of his at-bats. Goldschmidt, he's just a... And, and, you know, defensively, he's probably the best defensive first baseman in the game. And in the first game, there's two things that are noteworthy. And this might be, you know... the the back half of this podcast might be very, very short, but um, the first thing is Yadier Molina becomes the all-time leader in putouts in MLB history for catchers with 14,870 putouts. He got that on a pop-out and foul territory, I believe, in the third inning of the first game. And the main thing that is noteworthy in this game is the crazy play that happened in the fourth inning where a St. Louis runner beat the throw to... It was, a, it was bases loaded, two outs, ground ball to short, and the runner on first beats the throw to second base and continues to run to force home... or to, to, to force in a run. So Yachty scores... The play at second, he's safe, but he gets himself in a rundown, so that run counts. And Oliver Marmol, who no relation to Carlos Marmol or any other Marmol in baseball, I, uh, which is very, very weird, but he's channeling his inner buck there. That's a play that just 
screams Buck Showalter to me. It's a play that they said on the Cardinal broadcast that they've practiced in spring training. And it's just, it's a baseball-y play. It's a very, very good baseball play that it reminds me of what Javier Baez did to the Pirates a couple of years ago where he ran back to the batter's box and, and baited in a run there. This play... Yeah, it was, you know, it was 2 nothing at that point. It gets the insurance, the third run in. It's a play that a lot of people are discounting, like, well, why didn't they just throw it to first base? Well, you know, they're going the short way, and wouldn't that run have scored anyway? No, the answer is no. Um, it, it, the baseball IQ of that, and to pick your spot, because you can't, that's a play that you can practice in spring training. That's, you know, a once-in-a-lifetime play. It's kind of like, you know, the, the Derek Jeter play, the, the flip play in Oakland, where you can practice that 100 times in spring training. You might get three or four opportunities in your life to actually make that play a reality. And I, I just want to, you know, give the, the Cardinals their roses because that's a play that's just it's a winning baseball play that is a winning play it you're stealing a run it, it's it translates to being a the better team throughout the entire year and i think the cardinals have been they are leading the the nl central as of recording this podcast but i think they've been the better team in the central and it's plays like that that show up, that don't really show up on the score sh- on, on the box score. That that is going to be you know just a run scored in the box score, and you know it's a, a weird put out. But you don't really unless you're watching the game, unless you're understanding what's going on, you're not going to really see the, the brilliance of that play. So very very quick third block of the podcast. But tomorrow is a star-studded affair it's it's just it's busy it's a busy podcast as was today's um so i think this is a good place to end please like subscribe share this podcast with anybody who you seem fit download the show it means more to the show than you know if you're on itunes please give us a review and yeah till tomorrow it's closing time you don't have to go home but you can't stay here Go to the watch party on TikTok for logic. Vinyl days.